Atomic Moms is a weekly parenting podcast about the joys and complexities of caring for our little ones and ourselves. I'm the host, Ellie Knotts, and I celebrate and commiserate with best-selling authors, parenting experts, and caregivers all over the world in order to share their unique stories in the universal experience of raising a child. And join our conversation on social media at Atomic Moms on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Hi, everybody. I love recording these intros in my little guest room slash office slash someday future baby room. But the downs, well, the upside is I'm not wearing pants right now. (laughs) The downside is it is very easy for me to critique myself while doing the intro and then like stop and try and restart it again. Um, which just sort of cycles into this mentally picking on myself instead of just like allowing myself to talk to you all. Um, and that self-editing, it sucks. Uh, it comes from knowing that you all, caregivers of this world, do not have time to waste. And I'm always very aware of that. I'm aware of the fact that you do not have much free time. So I hope you listen to this while you're driving or while you're washing dishes or folding clothes or going on a jog um, and know that I'm honoring this time with you all. But then the downside of being hyper aware of that is that I'm constantly like, well, that wasn't good enough or I should have said that differently or why did I miss that part? So in an effort to love myself a little more and to have more time with my gorgeous daughter Sabrina I'm gonna I'm going to embrace these little stumbles and I'm just gonna wing it and let's see what happens uh we have a crazy lineup over the next several weeks I really want you to go on to iTunes.com backslash Atomic Moms and subscribe so that the podcast just automatically shows up um, every Tuesday for you. Uh, also check out our website, AtomicMoms.com, where you can stream it and you can share it with friends and you can send, uh, I have a page up on like how to listen to a podcast because a lot of people still don't know. So share that with friends, please. Uh, okay, you have some homework, other homework besides subscribing. On April 20th, I want you guys to set your DVRs for Bravo for the new show, There Goes the Motherhood, because we're going to have the stars of that new show on Atomic Moms podcast. I also want you to check out the book, Inside My Heart, Choosing to Live with Passion and Purpose, because our guest for Mother's Day is going to be the number one New York Times best-selling author, Robin McGraw. Uh, I cannot wait to sit down and speak with her uh, about her purpose-driven skincare line and about, in particular, this book, Inside My Heart, and about all that she has learned as a stay-at-home mom for so many years. People forget that they didn't move to Los Angeles and like get that 90210 zip code uh, until they were, you know, one of their sons was still in high school, but they had a whole life before they were on camera. 
And she comes from a very complicated, uh, also loving, but complicated family life. And just reading her words, um, it is very clear that she takes the role of mother and of life partner so seriously and they're sacred for her. And I'm already like seeing my interactions with my husband change a little bit. Um, Some of us, like me, are always striving. uh, We find ourselves striving or we're trying to get the next thing or we're trying to achieve our goals. And it is easy for me to forget the simple little joys that I can take. I can have a lot of fun wrapping up a birthday present that my daughter will take to a party. That when I, I'm actually thinking of Bianca's daughter just turned two. Happy birthday, little Miss Maggie Moon. And so just picking out that wrapping paper uh, with the hot air balloons and wrapping these little precious books up for Maggie, that that act of love is just as important as anything else that I might try to accomplish that day. Today, I have a girlfriend coming in. Her name is Ruth Smith. And we are talking about adoption. And she has just brought home her second baby. And she is white, her husband is white, and both of her sons are black. And so we talk about her commitment to honoring her son's cultural heritage and race. We talk about her awareness of systemic racism. And we talk about just sleep deprivation and what it's like introducing a toddler to his infant brother. (laughs) We cover a lot. I want to give you a little bit of my girlfriend's backstory. Uh, Okay. So, friend to friend, here's the deal. Ruth went to prom with her husband. They knew each other. They went to different schools. They weren't each other's dates, but there's a picture of them. There's a prom picture they have together with uh, their own dates, but they're in the same prom picture. Okay. Then they started dating. Uh, They broke up when they were 19, and they didn't talk to each other for like, uh... 10 years. And so then he had a 30th birthday party. She got invited by a mutual friend. So she went, they got back together again in their early thirties and, um, and then they got married. And during this time, Ruth had a crazy job and the crazy job was making her crazy and it was making her sick. She was basically George Clooney, uh, in the movie Up in the Air. It was her job to fly overnight to these different corporate offices and fire people. Let them down gently, but let them know that their dream of continuing on with the company was no more. Physically, the toll that this took on her body, she literally lost her voice. She sounded, She just says, she told me that she sounded like an 80-year-old with emphysema. She lost her voice. 
because of this news she was giving. She'd come home and she'd lay on the couch and she wouldn't let uh, her fiancé at the time even touch her because it was too painful to be touched. She started having uh, anaphylactic reactions when she'd go to restaurants um, because she developed this food allergy to eggs that was so extreme. She quit her job. She committed herself to wellness and to healing herself. Her allergy to eggs went away when she removed all gluten from her diet. But a huge part of that was stepping away from the negative environment, from the fact that she wasn't doing what she was supposed to be doing with her life. So now... She is the founder of Ruth Smith Strategies, and she provides health and nutrition coaching to those suffering from multiple chronic conditions and for families who just want a healthier lifestyle. I get a lot of requests for potential guests on this podcast, and I am honored every time I get an email asking if someone can be on the show. I'm a little disorganized and I'm always trying to sort of t uh, tap into uh, my, I want to say it's just like my gut instinct about like when, when the timing is right. Um, is it now? Is it later? Is it never? Is it a maybe? Is it, you know, a lot of this is done by just sort of intuition, which right now I'm judging myself. I'm like, that sounds so pretentious, but it's true. It, so much of this is just run on gut, on gut instinct. And part of it is I know that when I sit down with a guest, I fall in love with them. I do. I just fall in love with them. They're sharing their story and they're sharing a part of who they are. And they're always so vulnerable and unprotected. And there's something so beautiful about that. And so I want to first share a clip of our interview. I've never done this before, uh, but I have a habit of burying the lead. I like to tap dance around something until we get to the real heart of the matter. But this moment in the podcast where she shared this with me, it just blew me away. So I'm going to share it with you all right up front right now. What is your biggest fear as a mother raising hmm. black sons? That I don't prepare them enough for being out there on their own. And by that I mean when our boys are with us, they're under the umbrella of white privilege. They are not going to be questioned as much as when they're out there on their own in the world. And I do. I fear when they get old enough to start driving, will they know the protocol and what to do when they get pulled over? Will they know, even at a younger age, not to wear hoodies and with their hoods pulled up over their heads when they walk into a drugstore? It's educating them and making sure that they understand that there are just still some 
aspects of being a black man, a lot of aspects of being a black man that are not easy. And they need to understand that because we are a privileged family, um, that the whole world, as soon as they step out of our door, not, the, not everyone in the whole world is going to see them that way. So there's my girlfriend, Ruth. We're going to talk about sleep deprivation. We're going to talk about juggling household duties. We're going to talk about what happens when our partners are traveling for work. And um, we're going to talk about celebrating the differences in culturally diverse families. I'll be right back with Mama Bear, Ruth Smith. Hi, Ruth. Hi, Ellie. <laughs> it's so good to see you. Good to see you, too. Uh, Ruth and I met in a mommy group years ago now. How crazy is that? It's so crazy. So that is crazy. <coughs> it's so crazy. I just choked on my spit. Okay. Ruth, will you please tell our listeners uh, the names and ages of your children? Are you sure. s- sharing the name of your baby, baby? Um, not quite okay. yet, but I will tell you about our two-year-old. Perfect. <laughs> um, so uh, Tayden is our two-year-old and actually he'll be two and a half yeah. next month, which is so incredibly scary. I can't even believe it. And then, yeah, we have a, a seven-month-old, um, and I'll just call him Baby X, uh, cause we're finalizing his adoption hopefully in the next couple of months. And yeah, we suddenly have a life that is completely full and Huge. <laughs> okay, Ruth. For mothers that are getting ready for baby number two, yeah. Do you have any advice for them about how you can prepare the home? Ooh, I don't know. I don't know if there is any real way for preparing. Honestly, um, I think it's more about just being open to all the possibilities and all the feelings and everything that is going to come up because. You just don't know. And uh, especially with bringing in a baby with a two-year-old, it was completely unpredictable. And the best thing I think that we did was just to say, we're going to open our hearts and listen to his feelings and accept whatever's coming our way. And there was a lot, a lot. Um, you know, he lashes out sometimes with anger and jealousy and we just have to be patient and kind and really take a step back every single time that he does that and say, and to say, you know, he's two and he doesn't quite know what's going on and he doesn't understand his big feelings. So we need to, to help with that. We have a little dog Chubbs and whenever he gets in my lap, Sabrina wants to kill him. <laughs> so I can't even imagine <laughs> bringing a baby into this situation. Um, I totally get that. We have a dog and a cat too and an extremely needy dog. And yes. so we were dealing with jealousy on multiple fronts. Oh my God. <laughs> now, you know, adopting two children, mm-hmm. you know, a lot m- mothers, biological mothers, they've got nine months of that belly growing out. You know, the babies are always like petting the belly and saying the baby's name. I don't know if they even have a clue what that really is, but there's that process. Sure. So were there any special techniques you used since you weren't Mm. um, gaining 50 pounds 
in the yeah. process. You know, I think actually that made the transition really hard for for us in some ways, a little bit harder because we didn't have that nine month time period and we didn't have the certainty around saying you're going to have a little brother, you know? So what we ended up doing was three weeks before, a month before when we really thought that things were going to happen, we read a lot of books and we just started talking about it a lot and saying, we're going on this special trip. And we had the opportunity to actually meet baby X's mother before, about a month before, before the birth. And so we took Tayden with us and he got to meet her and meet baby X's sister and spend time with them. And I think that that kind of bridged a little bit of a gap but still with a lot of, huh, wait, what's going on? <laughs> you know? So when we went back to baby X was born in New Orleans. So when we went back there for the actual birth, we took my parents and they were able to spend a lot of time with him, which was good. And then all of a sudden, you know, we show up in a hotel room and we have a brand new baby and we're like, here's your baby brother. <laughs> um, so I think overall it was shocking. You know, I, I won't deny that of, of Tayden's feelings, but he also was excited and couldn't stop saying baby brother, baby brother. And that was touching and heartwarming. Because we are friends, um, <clears throat> I know that I just got really excited after I said that. <laughs> We're <laughs> friends, Ruth. <laughs> I'm so lucky. Um, I know that you have a bedtime ritual. Mm -hmm. with your children. And I was wondering if you'd be willing to share that with our listeners in sort of also how you honor your children's birth parents. Yeah, that's really a big piece of what we are trying to do with both both boys. Um, we want them to really understand that adoption is how we created our family, how they came to be part of our family, but it's not, it doesn't just include dad and I, you know, um, it includes their birth parents as well. And so there are no secrets in our house. You know, we talk about adoption a lot, um, probably every day in some form or function. You know, we are showing them pictures of when they were born or their birth parents. Um, so that really led to the bedtime routine in which we, we sit down and we read our books and we sing our songs. And um, right before going to sleep, you know, we say something to the effect of, you know, I love you and daddy loves you and, you know, your brother loves you. And then the names of their, their birth parents. And even though they're far away, you know, we, we love them from our hearts and we love them across all distances. And, um, we, you know, and then I, I basically let them know that they are strong, capable human beings, um, and that we will protect them and care for them and support them in any way, shape, or form that we can. Because it's not easy being a child, being raised in a transracial home, um, both being black children. It's with white parents. It's different. And we want them to understand that no matter their background, that we are there for them 100%. And we will do anything that we can to 
help them understand their cultural heritage as well as help them understand their family dynamic. And what are a few ways that you help them understand their black heritage? We, uh, we read a lot of books. Um, we talk about black history a lot. Um, Tayden's favorite book is Nelson Mandela and he goes around ch- chanting free Mandela, free Mandela, <laughs> <laughs> which is really kind of funny coming from a two year old, but you know, I, I love it, you know, and, um, we are trying to incorporate more of, we took Tayden to his first barbershop experience, um, about a month ago where, it was his first opportunity being in a traditional black barbershop. Okay. And you're in there too. I, my husband went. Yeah. Michael. Oh, your husband went. went. Okay. Michael went with him. And, and wh- what was the experience for Michael? Um, you know, he said it's, it's eye opening. You know, it's such a, a different culture. Um, one of the things he specifically mentioned was, you know, typically when he goes to the barber, he has to sign in. And then wait for whoever comes up to cut his hair. In the barbershop that he took Tate into, everyone kind of has their person and just waits in line. And so it took them a little bit of maneuvering to figure out, okay, who are we going to see? And so now they have their barber. And that's you know, amazing. It's so much more personal. So much more personal. And you're really, really loyal to the person who, who gives you that perfect haircut. So, you know, we're establishing a relationship with, um, Tayden and the barber for hopefully years and years and years to come. What do you think was your biggest surprise in having a second child? Did you think, yeah, you you just had an emotional (laughs) pop, so I'll just stop there. Um, I thought that I was tired with one child. <laughs> there is no comparison of how completely flat out on the floor exhausted I've been with two. And just the emotions of dealing with two children, um, not just theirs because they have their own relationship that's forming, but also with mine and how much I spend, how much time I spend with one versus the other and really having a sense of wanting to have equality, but knowing that there's no such thing. Um, so it's been a very interesting roller coaster ride. What do you do with sleep sleep deprivation? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you look fabulous. Oh, thank you. You do. But you're, uh, you're a health and wellness guru, so I'm not surprised. Everyone, her skin is luminescent. I'm so jealous. Mm. Uh, I don't know how you're not getting sleep because it looks like you're getting eight hours of eight hours of rest at a spa every night. Oh, I wish. I think it's more like three or four on a good night these days. It's amazing. Yeah. Do you, okay. I'm imagining Sabrina because Tayden and Sabrina are the same age, and they're buddies. Uh, I'm imagining a baby with Sabrina in the bathtub and I'm holding the baby. How do you just like get them to do the basic things? And I, we have a lot of incredible Mormon listeners who have like seven children yeah. and they're laughing at me right now and I love them all and I'm laughing at myself too. So yes. how do you even juggle two like that? You know, just the basics. I actually, I think of my Mormon friends 
and do what you really? they would do. That's I do. Amazing. I was thinking about this morning. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, um, one of my best friends growing up is Mormon. She has five kids. And I, I literally think to myself, I'm like, what would Rachel do in this particular situation? Um, but you know, it, it is a matter of just finding your routines and figuring it out. And, you know, we're in this weird transition where now baby X is sitting up more and I'm thinking that they're ready to start taking a bath together. Oh, that's so cute. And the idea is amazing and cute, but the realities of it are, I'm like, how do you do that logistically? Yeah. <laughs> you know, right now, baby X is in a bouncer while I bathe Tayden and get him all lotioned up and it's a whole big deal. And then they switch places and then we read our books and do our whole bedtime routine. But, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure about how to make that transition. So one day I'll just jump in or literally have them both jump in to the Tub. to the bathtub. Yeah. And we'll see how it goes. <laughs> Sink or swim. Yeah. Um, do you, are you so looking forward to preschool to have some extra time with yes. Tayden at preschool? Yes. I'm so looking forward to it. Can you talk to us a little bit about the preschool process and yeah. what it's like being a white mother with a black son and what your priorities are and what you know, you're looking for in a preschool? Yeah, it's, uh, it's been extremely eye-opening. Um, our priorities, I have to keep in mind, are really different from most of our, our friends at this point um, because we're looking for a school with a high amount of diversity where we know that our boys are not going to be treated because differently because they are our kids of color. And Unfortunately, there are a lot of schools that I toured, and I toured a lot. Um, I have a whole spreadsheet <laughs> um, where I felt, you know, it just wouldn't be the right fit for him because either he would be the only kid of color in the class or sometimes in the school, um, or it just it, yeah, he would be treated differently. And I, to that point, I even had to pull him out of a preschool prep class because he was being treated differently than other kids. So it's just been a real push to try to find the right program with the right mix and the right intention around supporting not only the adoptive side of our family, but also the diversity side. I was going to ask you, uh, what you do for yourself these days. And then I remembered that you have two very young children and there's no way you do anything for yourself. <laughs> I was going to ask about self-care, but maybe I won't. But actually I will. Actually, yeah, Because, <laughs> okay, let's talk about our mom session. Yes. Should we? Or yes. should we talk about, should we talk about the mom session first? Or, or is Either there way. anything that you do? Like, let's, uh, hold, we're going to table the mom session for a moment. Okay. What are... Um, what are you things that you do for yourself? Because you had an yeah. autoimmune disorder and you have a crazy journey into how you became a nutritionist yeah. and coach. And so what do you do, man? Ooh, man. Okay. So I had the hardest time figuring this out. And like I said, I mean, having to has been the most crazy sleep deprivation I've ever had. I, I've been a royal mess, like seriously, um, in the, for the past six months. Is that because one of them will wake up and the other one, then the other one wakes up? Why is there more sleep deprivation? Yeah, basically, um, you know, they go through different phases, right? And they're just hitting 
like right now they're both in a separation anxiety phase. So, (laughs) (laughs) and Tayden transitioned to a big bed. Oh, wow. So he is getting up in the middle of the night wanting me while I'm also trying to feed the X and every once in a while I'll bring them both into the room together and then they're not going back down anytime soon. So, um, it's just kind of a, it's a, it's a circus. It's a circus. It's crazy. And so I realized about two and a half, three weeks ago, I had a complete and utter meltdown. My Michael, my husband was in Australia for a week. What? Yeah. For work. And it was, it was the worst week of my life. You can own that. You don't even have to laugh about it. No, it was funny. Like it was, it was, I I think back and I'm like, I the amount of tears that I shed that week was, I I could have probably saved the drought in California, you know? Um, (laughs) There's no place further. (laughs) Australia. That's ridiculous. Yeah. It was, it was really ridiculous, really, really ridiculous. And as much planning as I had done to try to preserve any sort of sanity, that was completely out, out the window. I, I averaged between, in a one-week span, 24 hours of sleep. <laughs> you shouldn't be allowed to drive. No, I shouldn't have. I should not have driven at all during that time frame. <laughs> I shouldn't have been allowed out in public. <laughs> oh, my God. So... Uh, needless to say, I hit, I hit, you know, ground zero. Like I was not functioning and I said, this is it. I got to figure out a plan. And I said, next week I'm starting to exercise again. Thus we ran into each other at soul cycle. That was my first soul cycle class in months. And then, um, and your first soul cycle was through atomic bombs when we did our <laughs> yes, group. Yes. We had that fun party there. Yes. So you introduced me and I loved it. And so, you know, I'm like, what's more uplifting and to like get me back and quick there. and yes. fast. Yes. Yes. 45 minutes drenched done. in sweat. Done. Yeah. Done. And I knew I needed that, that elevation to my heart rate. So I'm like, let's do it. So I signed up for that. I signed up for a bunch of yoga classes. Um, I started getting some meal deliveries. Like, and honestly, I'm just trying to set myself up for a real health success. And then every moment I can, I'm just laying down. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's it. Even if I don't sleep, I'm just like, I got to lay down for one minute, two minutes, five minutes, whatever that is, you know, it's got to happen. And now I feel better. <laughs> I just, I, again, I can't get you, you always look like the epitome of health. And I'm not just saying that to to kiss your ass. Well, that's weird. I, why would I kiss my friend's ass? I, I'm, I don't, I'm not yeah. saying that to just <laughs> flatter you. It's true. Like there is, and, and that's why I'm, we got to have you back on to talk about your health journey because it's wild to me that, that man, you must know what you're doing because to be, to have been so ill not that long ago. No. And to do a total 180. Yeah. I mean, it's taken a lot. Of work. And I think one of the things I really do is every single food choice I make in particular food, because that's my, my forte is I say, is this going to make me feel good or is it going to make me feel bad? And if it's not going to make me feel good, then it's not going in my mouth. Nine times out of 10. Like cookies feel good. They do feel good. But, but, then, but then they give me chin acne. Yeah. So, so, so is so it like feel good in the long term? Yeah. 
you know, for me it is, well, it's about short-term versus long-term feelings. And sometimes that cookie is completely 100% worth it. Like if your husband's in Australia. There was a lot of crap (laughs) that (laughs) felt good that week. (laughs) How do you shake off the anger? I'm just curious about that for a moment. Any resentment? And how do you, uh, how do you, oh yeah. How do you deal with it? You know, I'm, there's tons of resentment and Michael knows it. And I think the one thing that we have going for us, particularly right now, is that I really try to stand in my truth and just say, this is what it is. And even though I know inside, what I want to say is, I know you're working so hard and I don't want to be resentful of you because you're bringing in so much of our family to our family. You know, it's about, I, this is how I'm feeling right now. And even if there's nothing you can do about it, I just need you to know that I'm not in a good place and I need some extra support, some extra words of encouragement, some love, whatever it is. And even if you don't like that, that's kind of too bad because that's where I'm at. (laughs) And he steps up and yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. You know, I mean, he was fortunate enough to be able to say, I'm not traveling the next week, you know, Um, because typically his job requires a lot of travel. So he definitely, he definitely does when he can. Okay, Ruth, we're, uh, we both, I got to go pick up my daughter at preschool. (laughs) You cannot be late for that. I'm always late for it. Maybe that's part of why she doesn't want to get in the car seat. Maybe because I'm rushed when I pick her up. That or she's just two and a half and doesn't like the car seat. Um, I want to talk about our mom session for a moment. Yeah. Can you discuss, can you tell our listeners about Beauty Counter? Yeah. Um, Beauty Counter is this amazing company that I became a part of. Um, I'm a consultant and educator for, uh, which is a perfect fit with my nutrition work. Basically, their whole goal is to get safe and effective beauty products into the hands of everyone. Um, and what this basically means for us as consumers is that there are products out there that deem themselves safe or effective, but that's kind of on the, the outset, you know, I mean, how many of us have tried organic or natural products and they just end up not working, right? Well, this, this particular beauty, beauty counter. Yeah, like my deodorant, my organic, I mean, the worst smells come out of my armpits. Yeah. When I use, do they have deodorant, by the way? They don't yet. So okay. You know, maybe, maybe. Cause they're perfecting it. They're perfecting it. Well, that's that organic the, deodorant. Yeah. Forget it, man. It never works. <laughs> Keep your crystal rocks, Whole Foods. Doesn't work. Anyway. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. Um, you know, but, but Beauty Counter really takes pride in not putting out just any products. And so they take every ounce of time that they need to actually perfect and ensure that their products are safe and effective. So, Generally speaking, or what is touted is that there's 1,400 different ingredients out there that are known to be harmful to our health. 1,100 of those have been banned by the EU. The U.S. has banned, I believe it is, 11 of them. So Beauty Counter's mission is to not just put safe and effective products into our hands and ensure our health through these products, but also to change the regulations in order to ensure that these harmful ingredients aren't in any of our products. And we'll share it online. I will share it. Uh, okay, Ruth, we 
are now going to share our mom bomb. And this is something that you picked out for us. And it is Dr. Martin Luther King. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Okay, listeners, we'll see you next week. Trust in your goodness. Live out your greatness. Rock on, Atomic Moms. 